It has been said that we are but one generation away from forgetting our history. Welcome to American Heroes Network, where we serve our American tradition with Gary Ray. In our program, you will hear firsthand the personal accounts of heroes whose unselfish actions have contributed to the traditions and values that represent the soul of America. You'll also hear from our partners and affiliations presenting news events and ways that our veterans and their families can rebuild their lives. Now, here is Gary Ray. Today is September 25th, 2018. Good morning and welcome to the American Heroes Network Radio. Joining me today as co-host is Lieutenant Colonel Bill Forbes, U.S. Army retired, former Deputy Secretary for the Maryland Department of Veterans Affairs, also past Department Commander for the DAV State of Maryland. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Gary, and as always, it's great to be with you. Well, thank you, Bill. And again, you know, Bill always comes up with some pretty good news articles, and uh, this is the last week of Suicide Prevention Month. I think our goal for next year would be eliminating suicides altogether by making every day National Suicide Day. What do you think of that, Bill? Absolutely, Gary. Uh, We must continue to be engaged with all of our members who've served these uh, great uh, United States uh, of America who return to us with those uh, uh, conditions that we don't see, but uh, we know they're troublesome. That's true, you know. Uh, We just have to keep moving forward. And also, you know, we have a lot going on in North Carolina in the aftermath of Hurricane Florence. Now, a lot of homes are still underwater. In fact, is this right, Bill? There's still still flooding coming in? Sadly, the report, Gary, but that's the case. Uh, They need our help. And as we mentioned last week, there's a, a significant number of veterans and their families uh, in those areas. Uh, and in any way that uh, our listening audience can be of assistance to them by uh, being in touch with maybe uh, uh, clothes or things around the house that can be used. And uh, even uh, money will not hurt also by way of gift cards. That's true. That's great. That's the way to respond. You have a lot of organizations out there, nonprofits, that will give you a hand and aim you in the right direction. Now, also, Bill, also, Bill, I heard that the VA is, has a new budget for 19, uh, 2019. Give us a little info on that. Well, that is correct, Gary. Last week, the Congress signed a new budget for the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs in the amount of $208.8 billion. It is another in a series of increases for the agency, which a budget of $90 million was passed in 2009. Now, this spending agreement, Gary, provides for some funding to implement the VA Mission Act legislation that aims to expand private sector medical care for veterans starting in July 2019. Uh, there's also a provision of uh, $8.6 billion for mental health care programs, including $206 million for suicide prevention efforts. It directly uh, uh, supports $400 million to the VA's Opioid Safety Initiative. That's something that we're really wrestling with. You imagine, Gary, I just discovered that last year we lost 78 million uh, uh, persons here in the country uh, from opioid deaths, uh, primarily from the drug fentanyl. So Uh this is a, uh, a large budget, and there's a lot of things there that can be done. Uh, to help our men and women overcome uh, some of these adversities that we've talked about. Oh, boy. That's unbelievable. But we have a pretty good show for you today. Um, And, Bill, why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest? Gary, without a doubt, it's our uh, honor to have with us as our guest today, Eric Barsness, who's the Director of Development for Puppies Behind Bars. Now, Eric joined the staff of Puppies Behind Bars in 
February 2009, in addition to handling grant submissions and donor relations, Eric works closely with Puppies Behind Bars founder Gloria Gilbert Stoga on a range of projects. Eric also does many public speaking engagements and helps socialize puppies for the organization. Prior to joining Puppies Behind Bars, Eric worked at Condé Nast Publications for 18 years, overseeing special events, marketing programs, and client partnerships, first at GQ and then at Architectural Digest, where he was Creative Services Director. Eric attended uh, Oberlin College, and I believe that's uh, in Ohio. He is a lifelong dog lover and has a background as a professional choreographer and a classically trained singer. Eric is delighted that he's been invited to sing at most of Puppies Behind Bars graduation events for veterans, often with his duet duet partner, Dudley, a large yellow Labrador, Labrador retriever. Eric, welcome to the American Heroes Network. Welcome, Eric. Thank you, Bill. Thank you very much. Delighted to be here. And uh, Puppies Behind Bars is very pleased that you asked us to share information about our program with you. All right. All right. Well, let's start from the beginning, uh, Eric. How did uh, Puppies Behind Bars get started with this unique idea? Well, we were founded uh, 20, 21 years ago now, actually, in, wow. in 1997 by Gloria Gilbert Stoga. She's still our president, still very hands-on running the organization. Um, she, she read an article about a veterinarian in Florida who, on his way to his practice every day, drove by a prison. And he, he'd see all these guys standing around with a lot of time on their hands. And uh, this gentleman had been involved in training, guiding, uh, seeing eye dogs for the blind and knew, knew how time-consuming that training was. And he thought, gee, what if we had the inmates train these seeing eye dogs? So he started a program in Florida. And when Gloria heard about that, she thought it was a really brilliant idea. She had worked with some labs herself who had been uh, trained as guide dogs. So she... Um, through a combination of determination and fortuitous circumstances, was able to speak to the the wife of then Governor Pataki, um, and she, Mrs. Pataki facilitated an introduction to the Commissioner of Corrections for New York State, and Gloria was able to convince the Department of Corrections, despite some resistance, to let her bring some puppies in to Bedford Hills Correctional Facility. It's um, the only uh, female maximum security prison in New York. And there was a lot of skepticism on all sides, but of those first five puppies brought in, three of them succeeded as guide dogs for the blind. That was the initial training. So that's how the program began. And it's evolved over time. In 2001, in response to the 9-11 attacks, uh, Gloria saw that there was increased need for explosive detection canines around the country, uh, dogs to help protect the public from attack in that way. So uh, the program was expanded then to include the training of explosive detection canines, or EDCs, as we call them. Then a very significant shift happened in 2006. Um, again, Glory became aware of growing numbers of veterans coming back from the conflicts in Iraq and Afghanistan uh, with, with severe physical injuries, but also very many of them uh, facing the difficulties of uh, post-traumatic st- stress disorder. And so in 2006, uh, we began training dogs specifically to work with wounded veterans and with, a, with an emphasis in addition to dealing with their physical handicaps on training the dogs as psychological service dogs to 
help uh, mitigate the effects of the PTSD. So since 2008, um, that's, that's been the focus of our service dog program entirely. So for 10 years now, our service dogs have all been trained expressly for veterans, uh, and they've been trained with the particular needs of, of wounded veterans in mind. And at this point, we've paired about 120 dogs with veterans nationwide, and the numbers are growing, and uh, the dogs are fantastic, I have to say. <laughs> all right. What's the, what's the uh, uh, mission of Puppies Behind Bars? Uh, our, our, our mission uh, is uh, Puppies Behind Bars trains prison inmates to raise service dogs for wounded war veterans and first responders, as well as explosive detection canines for law enforcement. The puppies live in prison with their puppy raisers from the age of eight weeks to 24 months. As the puppies mature into well-loved, well-behaved dogs, their raisers learn what it means to contribute to society rather than take from it. So that, that's it in a nutshell. Um, okay. You heard I mentioned in that mission first responders. That's new. Uh, mm-hmm. Just this year, in addition to accepting applications from veterans, we've begun to also accept applications from first responders, firefighters, police officers who have been injured uh, in the line of, of their duties protecting the public or who have post-traumatic stress disorder as a result of that work. All right. Well, what we're going to do, we're going to take a break and continue on. When we come back, you're listening to the American Heroes Network Radio, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. For those corporations or organizations who wish to support our veterans, sponsoring and promotion on the American Heroes Network has never been easier or smarter. As the only network focused to specifically reach the military and veteran population globally. For more information, email us at sponsorinfo at americanheroesnetwork.com. By providing a unique blend of information and advocacy, we are helping our American heroes and their families to heal, successfully transition into civilian life, and to thrive in their communities. This generation will not be forgotten. Today's military are our sons and daughters. Listen live to the American Heroes Network, the worldwide voice for our military families and veterans, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. All shows are archived on American Heroes network.com and syndicated on iTunes. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned into American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We're here with our guest, Eric, with Puppies Behind Bars. And uh, Bill? Well, Eric, uh, just following your lead-in lead in, in the introduction, it's rather amazing how uh, uh, dogs uh, are having a significant impact on uh, prison residents and veterans. That's, that's really amazing uh, and, and having a very positive impact upon them. You know, uh, <coughs> looking at your very comprehensive website, it's uh, amazing to know that uh, all of the different kinds of missions and uh, uh, experiences that uh, dogs have had in providing assistance after they've been trained, that they've been used uh, at conventions, inaugurations, Super Bowl, Boston Marathon bombings, and at U.S. embassies. That is quite a feat uh, for, for dogs serving in those capacities. 
Yeah, we're we're really proud of the dogs. Our, uh, most of the functions you mentioned are, are uh, places that our explosive detection canines serve, and uh, everything from sweeping a courthouse before a trial to uh, sweeping a stadium before a major league baseball game. Um, I'm I'm sure many of your listeners are not uh, Yankees fans, but uh, it was exciting for us the last time the Yankees won the World Series to have some of our dogs in that ticker tape parade because they work the stadium every day. All right. That's All right. simply amazing. Now, uh, am I correct that uh, uh, you indicated that the facility where these dogs are now is a correctional facility for women? Uh, that was the that was the facility where our program started, and we still okay. uh, work out of that facility. But we've expanded to a number of other facilities. We're currently in six correctional facilities in New York State and one in New Jersey. And uh, the one in New Jersey is also a women's prison. The other facilities that we've opened in in New York right now are all men's prisons. So the dogs are trained by both men and women. Um, Interestingly enough, we, we've, in order to really socialize the dogs and make sure that they're equipped for the real world when they're, when they're paired with a veteran or, when, or a law enforcement officer when they're out there doing their real work, we want to be sure the dog is used to all sorts of different people. So if a dog is being trained in a women's facility, uh, roughly every six months, the dog will go on swap for a month and will swap to a men's facility. So the dog doesn't always get used to taking its commands from a woman or a man, if you know what I mean. We really try to make sure the dog has a really rich experience of being around different kinds of people. We also have more than 300 volunteers who take our dogs out of prison. Every dog gets out of prison at least once a week, usually for an overnight visit, so it can stay with a family maybe, be around children, be around vacuum cleaners and blenders and things they wouldn't encounter in prison so that the dogs can be confident, good workers when they graduate. Great. So, Eric, uh, 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 tell us a little bit about uh, the, uh, the, the care for the dogs, for an example. Uh, you know, just like, uh, uh, I guess, uh, people... Uh, they have to uh, see the doctor occasionally. I would imagine that uh, you have yeah. uh, a uh, some type of a, a diet as far as their their, their feeding is concerned. G- give us uh, our listening audience a little insight on that. Sure. Well, one of the most critical things for our dogs is a lot of exercise. These are Labrador retrievers almost entirely, and they they really need to run and play a lot. So starting from the time they're in prison, you know, sometimes people hear, oh, those poor dogs, they're locked up in prison. Well, they don't know they're, they're in prison. They know that they get 24-hour-a-day loving care. And also in each facility, we have large outdoor fenced-in recreation areas where the dogs play with each other, with their handlers, for minimum three hours a day. So they spend a lot of time running, romping, and playing in addition to being trained. And that's actually one of the things that we work very closely with with the veterans who are paired with our dogs. We have to make sure that they've worked into their routines and their day-to-day lives how to give these dogs enough exercise. And uh, if, if because of a physical disability they can't do it themselves, we'll work with them to figure out a way where a friend or family member can help with that because it's really important that these dogs keep getting a lot of exercise. As to diet, the main thing is to feed them a, a, a good, healthy dog food and only dog food. We, we never encourage people to feed table scraps or human food and to not feed them too much. Labs will eat forever. You know, you give them enough food, they'll just keep eating it. <laughs> so they're always going to indicate that they're hungry. You just have to know that you've fed them enough and they're not really hungry. Uh, I unfortunately am like that myself. And uh, veterinary care, you know, sure, when when the dogs are young, um, they have to get all their vaccinations. Uh, We spay and neuter our dogs while they're still young and in prison with us. Um, 
Lyme disease is an uh, increasing problem all around the country, so all the dogs need to take preventive flea and tick medications and uh, preventive heartworm medications. And, and again, we work very closely with the veteran graduates to be sure they're staying on top of, of those regimens and giving them the, the, the dogs the preventive medicines that they need to have every month to stay healthy. So you mentioned a little bit uh, uh, about pairing uh, dogs with the uh, the uh, the veteran that they will eventually be assigned to. Now, is that a gradual process whereby the uh, the uh, the person that that's going to be the recipient of the dog, the veteran, to come in uh, while this training is going on in the prison uh, before the the two of them are joined together? Uh, uh, for for the rest of the dog's life. That that's a great question. Here's here's how the training of the veterans with the dogs works. We, we accept applica- applications from from veterans and fr- first responders anywhere in the country. Um, and if we accept their application, we'll say, okay, we've got a team training coming up. Um, our next one will be early in the new year, and we fly them, or they drive, depending on where they live, to the New York metropolitan area. Uh, and the veterans are housed in, in Westchester County. Let's say we have five veterans in the class. We usually have five or six. We'll bring to that uh, conference center where, where the veterans are living for the training six or seven dogs, usually one or two more dogs than are going to graduate. Our instructors have a pretty good idea before they get there what dog might be a good match for what veteran. But often the dogs kind of decide. They'll, they'll meet the veterans and kind of latch on to one. But there's a few days when it's flexible and fluid, and we let each veteran work with each dog. Uh, the veterans do go into prison. It's uh, an important part of that team training process. By the way, the team training goes on for 14 days. It's, it's very intensive. It's, it's hard work. Um, a lot of that training happens uh, going into prison with the veterans and dogs in the morning, and the veterans who've raised the dogs help train the veterans how to, how to effectively use the dogs. And the inmates who have also become expert dog handlers do training of the veterans and things like dog grooming. They teach them basic first aid and basic veterinary care. They, they teach them about canine nutrition. So the inmate puppy ra- raisers really impart a lot of their skill and expertise to the veterans who are going to be the end users. But by about three or four days into the team training process, um, the, the, the pairings are pretty much set. The dogs have settled in with a particular person. And from then on, for the last roughly 10 days of the training, the veteran and dog work together and start living together as a team, as they will continue to do for the rest of the dog's working life. And Eric, I guess a, a very important and significant part of this union between the dog and the veteran is bonding, uh, that they have become uh, a, a close-knit uh, operation. Tell our listening audience a little bit about the, the bonding process and how that actually takes place. Yeah, it's, um, it is remarkable, the bond that forms bet- between this pair. Um, even though these dogs have been raised by a handler that they love and are really devoted to, um, we see in a matter of days the dog and veteran become completely inseparable. The dog will, will if, if the veteran's at a meal, for example, the dog is in under the table resting with, with its head on his or her foot. Um, even though the dogs aren't allowed on furniture during their training, once they're paired with a veteran, it's up to the veteran. And nine times out of ten, that dog is sleeping on the bed, <laughs> um, or at least right next to the bed. And it, you look at these pairs and you'd think that the dog and the person had been together for years. The bond forms so quick, 
quickly. That's partly because these dogs, it's, it's a really essential part of their training that they're around people all the time and that they learn to love and trust people. Um, so that it comes very natural for the dog to, to latch on to a human. Also, the dogs are very intuitive and in, in addition to the 90 plus commands that they learn. I mean, they can retrieve objects, they can pick up your keys, they can, uh, they do a got my back command that's kind of like a reverse heel so that they're looking out behind you. If, if you have PTSD, hypervigilance, and, and you're afraid being in public spaces that someone might be sneaking up behind you, the fact that the dog is calmly looking back behind you reassures you that everything's okay. But aside from those specific commands, just the intense focus between the person and the dog has, a, has an incredibly calming and reassuring effect. And if, if, again, if you're worried walking down the street, maybe there's an explosive device in that garbage can. If the dog takes your focus and if this animal that you love and that loves you is at your side and you're focused on giving it its commands and telling it to watch you, it, it sort of takes your mind off those fears and focuses you on a positive thing. All right. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the American Heroes Network Radio, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. By providing a unique blend of information and advocacy, we are helping our American heroes and their families to heal, successfully transition into civilian life, and to thrive in their communities. This generation will not be forgotten. Today's military are our sons and daughters. Listen live to the American Heroes Network, the worldwide voice for our military families and veterans, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. All shows are archived on AmericanHeroesNetwork.com and syndicated on iTunes. For those corporations or organizations who wish to support our veterans, sponsoring and promotion on the American Heroes Network has never been easier or smarter. As the only network focused to specifically reach the military and veteran population globally. For more information, email us at sponsorinfo at americanheroesnetwork.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are tuned into American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We're here with our guest, Eric, with Puppies Behind Bars. And uh, Eric, why don't you give us the URL? It's www.puppiesbehindbars.com. Uh, we're a nonprofit, but, but our website is still a .com. So just our name all spelled out, and uh, there's a lot of information on the website about how to apply for a dog. In fact, the application is, uh, is available online to print out. And uh, as I think I said, we accept applications from veterans and first responders anywhere in the United States. And we make sure if, if they're accepted for one of our dogs that we cover the cost to get them to training and get the dog home with them. Right. Well, Eric, I have a question as far as the puppies. How do, you, how do they qualify as far as being someone that's going to be trainable? How, do you, how can you figure that out before you take them on board? Well, we don't, we're not a rescue organization as much as we applaud rescue work. We have our own breeding program. So we have our own dogs who are promise, are really promising puppies who are very trainable and confident will will hold off on spaying or neutering them and and 
breed one or two litters from those dogs before they go on to become working dogs. We have our own uh, facility, uh, the Scaife Family Foundation Early Socialization Center in upstate New York. It's 23 acres, and it's where our puppies are whelped and, and socialized until they're ready to go into prison at the age of eight weeks. Now, we do do some testing with those very young puppies. There are some okay. standard in, in the service and working dog world sort of personality tests we do that might tell us if a dog is going to likely be better suited to be a service dog versus an explosive detection canine. Those two dogs um, have, have kind of different personalities. The, the service dogs are more laid back, more focused on the person, more likely to sort of wait and see what you want them to do. Whereas the explosive detection canines are very outgoing, very curious. They want to sniff and explore everything. They're not worried about climbing over barriers or climbing in under things. So we, we'll see sometimes in a, in a small puppy these personality traits that tell us what, what job they're most likely to succeed in and be happy in, which is very important to us, the happiness and health of our dogs. All right. Now, can you also share with us maybe a story about uh, uh, how a service dog and uh, its its uh, new owner, um, maybe a nice story that you can just share? Maybe a sure. tearjerker. I mean, <laughs> I'll tell you one that this is not a specific story because it's something we hear time and time and time again mm-hmm. from our veterans, even while they're still in team training, we hear that they're sleeping through the night for the first time in years. Um, we hear that they're, they come to us taking 16 medications a day, anti-anxiety pills, sleeping pills, this, that. And after a month, two months home with their dog, they're taking maybe one or two one or two pills a day, sometimes none. Um, one thing happened, uh, a specific antidote I'll, I'll tell you about. During our most recent team training, we had six veterans in August, and they were up, upstate with our instructors. And about a week into it, the wife of one of these um, fellows called up the office one day, and I, she asked to talk to the instructors, and I said, well, they're, they're with the you know, with your husband and the other veterans in the midst of training, they're actually in prison today. I, I can't reach them by phone. Is it an emergency? And she said, no, it's not an emergency at all. I just wanted to thank them because I'm getting phone calls every night from a man that I, I hardly recognize. It's like this is the guy I knew 12 years ago. He actually laughs. She said, I hadn't heard my husband laugh in years. Um so the the effect on the individual is profound, but the effect on the whole family is profound. Uh, we, again, we hear all the time that these dogs help help the veteran immensely, but that they also even save the families in many cases. And the dogs, of course, are adorable and fun, and while they are primarily there to work with and serve the veteran. If, if the veteran has a husband and kids or a wife and kids, the rest of the family tend to really love the dog and be really happy to have this great, great dog in the house. <laughs> I bet. I bet. And Bill? Uh, Eric, um, uh, and you've, you've, you've touched on this a couple of times so far in the program, uh, about receiving and accepting applications for uh, from first responders for dogs. Hey, you know, in the climate that we live in now with so many uh, things that are happening, uh, whether it be natural disasters, we talked about the hurricanes, the uh, problems in the schools with shootings and what have you, and the... Uh, uh, I, there's a there's a concern there with folks who are first responders that uh, these critical incidents that they have to respond to takes a toll on them as far as post traumatic stress is concerned and uh, leading to suicides. So, 
how are you developing the program or, or, or maybe uh, uh, improving the program so that dogs now fit in with this kind of need as far as first responders are concerned? That's a, that's a great question, and, and I think what happened is we realized that the training we were already giving the dogs, um, the extensive training to be psychological service dogs and, and help with PTSD, would fit beautifully for a firefighter or policeman just as, just as it would work with um, a veteran. And one key thing to our training through the years, the way our training has tended to evolve, is through feedback from the end users of the dogs. So when we first started pairing dogs with veterans, we do a lot of follow-up. We visit the, the graduates at home uh, a few months after they graduate. We send an instructor wherever they are, stays around for a few days, make sure they're doing okay. And then once a year, we send an instructor uh, to sort of fine-tune training of both the person and the dog and to reissue what's called the public access test to certify them as a service dog team. So we get really important feedback on these visits. And we'd hear from veterans, you know, I wish this dog could help me find my car in the parking lot, for example. That's something we heard, you know, 10 years ago or eight years ago. So we started training the dogs to do that. And... uh, we started training the dogs to deal with nightmares based on feedback from our, our graduates. So I think over time, as we paired dogs with more police officers and firefighters, we'll probably revise the training in further ways that might help the dogs deal specifically with their situations. But our early experience, and, and I think we've paired dogs with five first responders so far, um, is that the training the dogs already have as psychological service dogs means they're really helping uh, a, a great deal with the challenges these first responders face. Now, switching gears just a little, uh, uh, Eric, I would imagine the the uh, the business end of a program such like this is intense and immense, and I'm speaking about resources. Uh, maybe volunteers uh, uh, outside of the prison that uh, that uh-huh. uh, support this and uh, contributions that you receive uh, solicit. Uh, one of the things that caught my attention uh, from your very comprehensive website is the rating that you've received for the past 11 years from Charity Navigator, which is a four-star rating. Explain what that's um, all about to our listening audience. I'm glad you mentioned that. That's something we're really proud of and that we work really hard to maintain. Charity Navigator's four-star rating is based on a number of things. It's based on fiscal health, on fiscal responsibility, on responsible use of the funds that are donated, and on transparency. You know, it, it, uh, Do people have access to our financial records? Do they see our audits and 990s and things? Um, so we're really proud that that over the years, Charity Navigator has given us that, that ranking. Um, we are healthy. Uh, we're very fortunate that our mission appeals to a lot of people and a lot of folks across the country, um, you know, send their annual donation, be it a dollar or a much larger sum, it all, it all adds up and helps a great deal. It is an expensive program in that it, on the average, by the time a dog goes home with a veteran or first responder, we've, we've spent about $45,000 training that dog. But that's very cost effective if you think of the alternative of years and years of taking vast numbers of medications, of needing all sorts of medical treatments, um, you, you know, worst case scenarios of someone doing very, very poorly as a result of their PTSD and the, the bright scenario of the dog really turning that around, it winds up being a cost-effective investment. But it's, um, it, it's not a simple way to train dogs. 
training them in prison. Uh, you mentioned volunteers. We have about 350 volunteers, all of whom have to go through training with our instructors to learn how to appropriately handle and socialize our dogs. They need to learn what what commands are critical for them to know. They need to learn that you don't say no to our dogs, for example. All the training is positive. It's, it's all reward the good behavior as opposed to punish the bad behavior. Um, but those, those volunteers go through the training and, and commit to taking a dog home with them at least once a month for at least 12 months. And we find there's very little turnover amongst our volunteers. Once they start volunteering for us, they love it. Uh, and we're really grateful to them because we, we couldn't possibly do it without them. But yeah, there's, uh, it, it, it involves money and time and a lot of people. Um, a lot of moving parts, as someone might say, but it, it all seems to work. And uh, we've got about 65 dogs in training at any given time, and they're all being given really good care. And um, we always hope that the vast majority of them will succeed and become very successful working dogs. All right. Well, Eric, on the, on the lighter side, I've just got to ask you this. Uh, uh, we mentioned about uh, you and Dudley... Uh, Doing duets at the uh, at the uh, graduations. Do you have any tapes of those uh, duets that you've done with Dudley? Actually, we do. Um, I, I I probably should have thought to send it to you before the show. I'll send it to you after. Um, the way this happened was uh, Dudley is a is a dog that that actually dropped out of the program. He he's a great dog, a, a really big yellow lab golden retriever mix, but he tended to bark too much. He was a, lacked confidence, so it didn't seem he was going to be a successful working dog, and he was adopted by Gloria, our founder, so he's around the office a lot. And when Gloria first learned that I sang, she asked me to sing the national anthem at a graduation, but she had never heard me sing, and she thought, oh, you know what, what if he can't really sing? So she asked me to sing it in the office. And I started singing, and Dudley came bounding down the hall, jumped up with his paws on my shoulders, and started howling along with me right away. <laughs> he just instinctively started singing with me. And um, the first few graduations, he was in the audience, but he always sang along. So we decided to just make it official, and that Dudley stands at my side when we sing America the Beautiful or God Bless America and the National Anthem or, or whatever we're singing at the, at the graduations. And um, it winds up being very touching because there are a lot of dogs, <laughs> dogs present and the, the inmate, we do the graduations in prison when the, uh, when the veterans and first responders complete their 14 days of team training. So it's a, it's a pretty moving event where the, where the inmates are really saying goodbye to these dogs that they've trained. And, uh, Dudley's a great participant in those in those ceremonies. All right. We're going to go ahead and take our last break. You're listening to the American Heroes Network, radio powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. By providing a unique blend of information and advocacy, we are helping our American heroes and their families to heal, successfully transition into civilian life, and to thrive in their communities. This generation will not be forgotten. Today's military are our sons and daughters. Listen live to the American Heroes Network, the worldwide voice for our military families and veterans, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. All shows are archived on American Heroes network.com and syndicated on iTunes. For those corporations or organizations who wish to support our veterans, sponsoring and promotion on the American Heroes Network has never been easier or smarter. As the only network focused to specifically reach the military and veteran population globally. For more information, email us at sponsorinfo@americanheroesnetwork.com. 
stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com you are tuned into american heroes network If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to AmericanHeroesNetwork at gmail.com. That's AmericanHeroesNetwork at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We're here with our guest, Eric, with Puppies Behind Bars. Um, Eric, why don't you go ahead and mention your URL again? It is www.puppiesbehindbars.com puppiesbehindbars.com all right now uh, just just touch on this as far as qualifying i'm a veteran i'm very interested in 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 one of the uh, puppies behind bars there how do i go about qualifying well our our initial uh dog tags program qualifications were uh for OIF and OEF veterans with post-traumatic stress disorder who have seen active duty. Um, beyond that, we look at, uh, we, we get reports from uh, medical staff, uh, we get personal references, we have to look at the, the living situation of a veteran. I, I mentioned that the dogs need exercise and, you know, healthy diet, et cetera. It doesn't mean everything's got to come from the applicant, him or herself, but we've got to see that there's a a sort of a network that can support a healthy lifestyle for a dog. If, for example, someone is is facing homelessness or is homeless or is um, very actively dealing with substance abuse issues, um, we couldn't put a dog into that circumstance. So, um, you know, we're flexible and we work with our applicants, but, but we look at how is a dog going to fit into this person's life. Now, I mentioned we've expanded recently, so we are also accepting applications from first responders. And um, I'd, I'd encourage anyone who thinks they might benefit from a service dog to go ahead and call us and talk to us. If, if you have questions about whether you think you might be a suitable applicant, we're, we're happy to talk and, and help figure out if it makes sense to apply for one of our dogs. Um, we don't have a lot of dogs available. The way we work, we, we, you know, we won't accept an, application, an applicant and say, okay, but you're going to have to wait three years for your dog. We'll look at okay, we have eight dogs that are going to be ready to graduate this winter. Let's find the the most suitable matches for these dogs. Let's find applicants who these dogs are really going to help. Um, And if we don't think you're one of those people, we'll either refer you to a different organization that might be able to provide a dog, or we'll say, here's why we don't think you should get a dog right now. Why don't you contact this again in a year or two when when this situation may may have changed? All right. And again, the, the the guidelines are on our website. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Now we only have a couple minutes left, and Eric, it was a pleasure having you on the show this morning. What would you like to share with our listeners in closing? Well, I I, I guess uh, I'd just like to emphasize that these dogs can really have a profound impact and they, they do have a profound impact and that has to do with uh, the incredible care that's gone into their training and uh, in the way they've been handled from the time they were little puppies. The fact that they're trained by inmates means that they're trained by people often who have PTSD themselves um, and who are have certain emotional needs that even though the life situation is very different from a veteran, often that psychological situation is similar. So the dogs are very attuned to those needs. They're very intuitive about when comfort is needed and how to help focus the individual. Um, and I would really encourage listeners to think if, if, 
if they don't think it's right for them or they have the need to think about whether they know other veterans who may have the need and encourage them to apply. Um, more and more service dogs are available, I think, nationwide. We do really pride ourselves on how thoroughly our dogs are trained and on how how complete we are in our follow-up. Um, if if you're accepted for one of our dogs, it's like you're part of an uh, part of an extended family. And uh, Gloria and our other instructors, you know, the, our, our graduates have their cell phone numbers, and if they need to call them in the middle of the night, they do. Um, and if we need to put an instructor on a plane or a train to get to one of our veterans and their dogs who are facing a challenge, we'll do it. Um, it's not like we hand over the dog and say, bye, have a good life. We stay very involved to be sure that the graduate and dog, that the team thrive as a team and both sort of maximize their potential for, for healing and happiness. All right. Can't ask for more than that. And Bill? Well, Eric, thank you very much uh, for being with us today. Uh, you are providing a very uh, unique service to both our veteran community and our first responder community. And uh, I think um, this uh, will continue to have an, a positive impact on improving uh, concerns in, in both of those communities. So it's been a delight to have you with us today, and we certainly look forward to come back again and uh, give us another update on what's happening in the world of puppies behind bars. Thank well, you, we'd Eric. love again. to be back. We're, you're very welcome, and thank you for this opportunity to speak to, to you guys and your listeners. I appreciate it. If you missed any of our live shows, all our shows are archived on demand 24-7 on our website. And you can hear all the archived shows right from your phone. And remember, we spotlight and promote the best available information of interest to America's veterans and their families anytime, anywhere, and on any mobile device. I'm Gary Rain. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you next week. Be safe out there. Thank you again for joining us for this week's edition of American Heroes Network. Please join Gary Ray again next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week. We are America, and we truly do believe you're the backbone of our nation. Thank you.